0: It's time. Yep, that's right. Episode 10, season one finale is here. Hello and welcome to Mind the Gap. I'm Lisa Wehinya, the presenter and producer of this ten-part podcast series. I've taken you on so many different journeys, the likes of co-founder of UK Black Pride, Lady Phil, Love Island, Samira Mighty. And- and worldwide entertainer and comedian, Eddie Caddy, have all been a part of this season, and so many more. And I'm so glad to have multi-award winning baby girl, yes, you heard that right, Kelechi Okafo, joining me on this episode. Nigerian born actor, director, podcaster, (laughs) Let's just stick to multi-award winning baby girl, shall we? (laughs) Kelechi speaks to me on this episode about breaking cultural boundaries, online hate and freeing herself from expectations.
1: I think that Nigerian culture is filled with so much history and to me it's like one of resilience as well. I think like Nigerian people are just hilarious and just extremely creative when I look at the history of it all. It's awe-inspiring.
0: Like yourself, I'm first generation to be raised in the UK and I've sort of found myself picking pieces of my culture and holding them close to my heart i think it's because it sort of makes me feel somewhat close to home and i'm interested to know what have you kept doing that culturally is a nigerian norm the main thing for me is like showing physical respect to elders
1: i don't care if i like know you or don't know you too well i'm still going to do like a small kneel in some cases still say auntie uncle that sort of thing I don't care where I am. Like people have come to award ceremonies and things like that or come to the opening of my studios and they've seen older person there and me do a slight kneel for them and they'd be like, oh, what's going on there? What's going on there is respect. You know, it's culture. I'm not just doing it to anybody. If they're from my culture and they understand that, then yeah, you know, I would show that sign of respect regardless of where I am. Showing that sign of respect, I think it's definitely enriches certain aspects of my being.
0: What key moments stand out when trying to navigate life whilst also trying to figure out what it means to be a nigerian growing up in the uk and
1: that's interesting because i don't feel like too much stands out i mean obviously just seeing like lots of white people and then different you know other ethnicities as well and you know being submerged in like the British culture. And people talk about Britain being multicultural. It's not multicultural. It's multi-ethnic, it's not multicultural. The culture of Britain is still the culture of Britain. So nothing specifically stands out, but I think that that would also be because like I didn't move from Nigeria and then moved to, I don't know, the Cotswolds. I moved from Nigeria and I moved to Peckham. So I was again, still around lots of Nigerians. So I w- I didn't feel like I'd gone way too far from home when I could still have access to the foods that I like. Like I walk down and Peckham High Street or Rye Lane and I'll still hear people just blasting Yoruba left, right and centre. In some ways, I was insulated within my culture, within Peckham and allowed to kind of grow into the British culture gradually.
0: Did you ever try and merge the two? So the Nigerian culture and the British culture?
1: Yeah I mean I don't feel like I ever really tried to merge it because I don't want to necessarily be British in that way I think that there's some way that people are yearning to be accepted by Britain that I don't particularly desire I'm very aware of what my status is here and what my intentions are here I mean Britain is home in the sense of like this is where I've grown up and i spent my formative years but then I'm also reminded whether it's through the media whether it's through just like various aspects of institutions and things that we interact with while being in Britain, that this place isn't necessarily welcoming to people who are non English. Right. So I've always kind of maintained that my Nigerianness comes before my Britishness so I didn't necessarily try to merge it I just navigated as just being this Nigerian girl that happens to live in London and again I think it's where you're positioned geographically that affects that because living in London I didn't feel the need to necessarily force that merge because I still get to be Nigerian in Peckham I still get to be Nigerian in South London but I guess if I lived somewhere else in England or in Britain that might have been different
0: Growing up I feel like me and my parents went head to head a lot and I think that was mainly because they really wanted to instill certain things in me because that's just what is expected culturally. But I think it took them some time to realise that, okay, we're not in Kenya anymore. So what they had to deal with and accept I didn't, and I don't. How has your experience been pushing back on cultural pressures? For me, it's about respect.
1: I think that within the Nigerian culture, I find that elders really want to just eat respect. Like, they don't mind going without food or drink, but they can really eat respect. An elder can disrespect you, but you can't disrespect them. And I let that go a long time ago. Like, if you move mad to me, expect the madness back in return. And that's meant that the older generation that I interact with are very aware of my boundaries. And so we can talk to each other on a level. And I first had to start that within my immediate family of making it clear the things that I will accept and then taking it further into extended family. And if they can't respect that, I just simply don't speak to them because I don't understand forcing respect or out of chronological age and not thinking about, well, at your 50 years old, are you even wise?
0: How was that conversation like? Because I couldn't imagine it. They
1: don't take to it straight away. They'd be like, what nonsense is this? So you think you're a big person now because you've gone to university. When it comes to boundaries, I don't think that you necessarily put up all of the fences straight away. So I think that that journey started for me around when I was at university, because that was the first time we had so much physical space from each other. After coming back from uni and I finally moved out, I think that that's when it was much easier to really enforce those boundaries. Our relationship improved a lot once I was out, because then... Also, I didn't feel responsible for whatever you want to do with your household. If you want to paint it magnolia and yellow, that is up to you, I'm no longer there. If you wanna go and buy that weird furniture, you do that, not my business.
0: You're someone who cannot be put into a box. You do acting, writing, you're a speaker. I mean, honestly, like I need my CV to be packed just like you. You're very vocal on Twitter as well. Being a creative, what reaction have you had from your family about your career choices?
1: People are always gonna talk aren't they? I say people, like I'm not talking about my mother. Um, but you know, people are always going to talk and have their perception of how you should like live your life. So my mum, was very much like when I went to Brit School of Performing Arts to do musical theatre and English literature. And when I finished there and it was time to choose a university, because I only applied for Brit school, you see, I didn't apply for any other college or any other sixth form. I just applied to Brit school. And at the time she thought that was very audacious. That was very risky, but I didn't see the point in applying anywhere else because I wasn't planning to go anywhere else. So I don't know if I would have slept outside if they didn't let me in, but that's where I was going. As far as I was concerned. So um, when it got to university, she was just like, Look, you've had your way with everything that you want to do. If you're going to university, you have to do something more than theater. So I ended up finding Liverpool Hope that let me do drama and theater studies with law. So I was doing a combined bachelor's. And that was the only way that she was going to kind of agree. And actually paid off for me in the end to have that knowledge that I have because it, it contributes to the perspective that I'm able to bring onto social media now but then when I finished that I felt like that was a compromise when I finished that and I said okay well now I'm focusing on acting and I'm going to Atlanta very wild choice and again she was just like well why don't you go and do a master's in law why don't you go to law school why don't you oh you know why don't you be a nurse and at the time it used to frustrate me because I was just like I don't want to do any of those things I commend the people who do those things but I just know viscerally within my core that that is not my calling but i think that when it comes to parents the idea of calling if it's not their pastor is really beyond them they to to consider that a mere human that they have birthed wants to do something that they feel called to that they might not understand feels very weird for them right but i persevered i got my personal training qualification we're still going to auditions you know here and there ended up falling into pole dance then opened the pole dance studio and I think that even when I was speaking out about certain things happening and I'd be writing letters to the MPs and stuff like the local MP my mum would be like can oh, you don't go and bring trouble for yourself because these people these people and I just never feared these people because who are they like are they made of vibranium or what because we're all still made of flesh and blood so I mean, yes, obviously, I know realistically they have, um, you know, institutional and systemic powers that could inhibit um, or prohibit what I'm doing. But at the Mm -hmm. same time, I'm still going to do what I want to do. It was a challenge. But now that my mum sees how everything's kind of like worked out, she sees it. She understands being a parent and being a child. I think that your parents birth you, but you also birth your parents as well. And so my mum's gone through like so many transformations and she's learnt so much from my journey. But at the same time, I've learned from her journey and why she was so you know, insistent upon me doing certain things. Now my mum's able to see me doing all of those things and she's like, well, okay, I get it. I see it now. And that gives her confidence to kind of think about what she wants to do as well. That is a bit out of the norm than to what she was kind of culturally exposed to as the safe career.
0: Funnily enough, I was like going through your website and I stumbled across the quote, society teaches us that we must fall into categories somehow. All I know is that I'm just a baby girl. I said, clink. (laughs) You know, like, when you're reading a quote, because I actually was reading it as it was, I didn't, like, skip to the end or anything. When I said baby girl, I said, this was not the ending I was expecting, but cheers! (laughs) What's your interpretation of a baby girl? Yeah, for me, I just feel like a baby girl
1: is, like, somebody, a soul that's showing up as the truest manifestation of themselves as much as they can within the current circumstances, as much as they know of themselves. And they're just living in that. I really don't like titles, like even trying to read it off it's long because yes I have a podcast yes I you know have my own pole dance studio and you know well dance studio yes I write yes I act yes I direct yes I do all of these things but I do them at different capacities at any time it just depends what year that we're finding ourselves in right so during 2020 because of lockdown I wasn't doing a lot of acting or doing a lot of directing, but I was doing a lot of, you know, anti-racism like workshops and I was doing lots of keynote speeches. I was making lots of videos for social media, but I'm not an influencer because I feel like influencer is a whole last title for specific people that do that specific thing. I just happen to be somebody of influence so then looking at all these titles even when it comes to activists I don't use that title because that's not me um and people have expectations based on titles that try to confine your personhood and I really don't like feeling like I'm being contained or like people are trying to cage me in I will always like naturally this kind of person I am the moment I see that rules are being forced upon me I'm going to kick against them so knowing the expectations of all of these various titles I just thought none of them are for me but being a baby girl that's for me because being a baby girl I can express that however I want to express that Um, and the expectations that they have of mothers and all of that stuff I just don't pay attention to it because for me you're not talking to me and I think that there has to be that element of just letting go of societal narratives because for everyone that you want to hold on to what you're going to find there is that there's something there that's also holding you and then when you want to outgrow it it becomes harder
0: Let's talk social media. I've been following you for a while, and sometimes I see the way people come at you, but I also see the way you stand strong in your truth. How do you deal with so many opinions being thrown at you? I'm
1: kind, but I'm not nice. I'm not nice. I'm not a nice person. And I don't want to be a nice person because niceness means that I'm putting other people's kind of feelings above my own humanity. And I'm not going to do that, but I'm kind because I respect my humanity in the same way that I respect the humanity of other people. But if you're going to cause me harm, then we're going to have a problem and so I think that that is also important to have that delineation between where I begin and where you start and where society starts right and so I think that that's what's been so shocking to people throughout the years especially on Twitter people are discovering that more on Instagram now that I can be bothered with the app but especially on Twitter this idea that but who is her boss why is she able to speak like that Oh my God, she's so angry. Meanwhile, they can't actually hear my tone. They've inferred a tone because of what they think of Black women who are outspoken. So to them, they're assuming that I'm shouting when really I'm saying this stuff in pretty much this voice all the Mm -hmm. time in my head anyway. And so at first, I think that it was something that people really struggled to get their head around. But I'm seeing like more younger Black women who are starting to show that same energy as well. And I love it because I'm just like, that's exactly what we need there has to be more of us being like nope you're not talking to me because suddenly all these institutions are going to have to really check themselves and pattern up about how they are speaking to us and how they are treating us because less of us are accepting the ways that things have been before
0: moving forward where would you like to see the conversation of what it means to be black british towards
1: i feel like some people have platforms but they don't have sense and so suddenly on the world stage we're having these conversations about police brutality about blackness about all of these things but just by the virtue of certain people having certain platforms where they haven't been saying the most like helpful things throughout the years but they have that platform because of that notoriety they're now wading into these conversations trying to delve into these conversations with little to no sort of theory And that's not to sound elitist that everybody needs to go and read a book to learn things, but sometimes read a book, even if it's an audio, but sometimes just do something, but people are all talking with little sense with little kind of like compassion for themselves and their community. That they don't realize how harmful they can be. And so I feel like there has to be a responsibility from people to kind of be like, you know what, I don't know too much about this. So I'm going to direct you to the person that does. With people like myself who are hyper visible, Black British woman, sometimes the disrespect is rife. And I'm just like, I don't know who the hell you think you're talking to, because I am not above slapping somebody in the throat. So it's one of those things that I'm trying to work on that within myself and understand that, People come to everything with their own specific level of learning, but there comes a point where actually can you catch up because there's so much work for us to do and for us to be able to do that work, we have to be on the same page. We have to care about each other and people need to start showing, if we're talking about black Britishness, we have to start showing black women more respect. We have to have proper conversations about colorism, proper conversations about all of these things because when we are conversant in these narratives and how they affect us as a community we then can present ourselves in the larger community with more force at the moment when we're saying oh you know this happens to darker skinned black women and someone turns around and goes yeah but you don't know what it's like to be light-skinned and you don't know but we can see the stats we literally can see the people who receive the most abuse online and it's black women dark-skinned black women did we imagine that for me We can't be thinking about the global scale when we are not even done with the work that we should be doing in our immediate communities. And that comes from, can we actually respect? Can we actually protect? Can we actually celebrate um, Black women um, before we can move forward from there? Because a lot of the time, if something happens, it's Black women who are loudening it up. It's Black women who are putting themselves at the forefront time and time again. Where are they replenished? Their well is not endless. Physically, it's endless spiritually, but it's not endless physically. So where are we replenishing the black women, black people generally that we are taking from? and sometimes taken from ungratefully as well.
0: What sort of abuse have you gotten when you speak on things that mean the most to you, like race?
1: It differs and it varies. It's so much like it can be from anything like, well, why are you talking? You look like a monkey or I want you to die slowly. But I mean, there was the one that went viral when I had horse poo sent to my studio, my first studio that I opened in 2016 to just random hate mail. Like you just get things and you just think and people create in burner accounts they like send, you know, vile messages messages from. And I just look at all of those things and I just think, well, I've always done everything with my government name, right? So I'm always going to be winning. Everybody else that's using aliases or creating a burner account, I'm already living more courageously than you ever could. So I've already got the upper hand. And if you were so proud of your perspective and your opinion, you wouldn't need to hide behind a fake account. You would be able to say it with your chest. So why are you hiding? every time somebody says something, I just go a bit higher. My platform grows a bit more. So I'll continue doing what I'm doing as long as God will allow me to do it. That doesn't mean that I don't look at people and think, well, you're an idiot.
0: That was Kalechi Okafor speaking with me on the very last episode of Mind the Gap. Before we say goodbye, let's reflect back to my top three episodes this season to kick it off i'm going to take it all the way back to the very first episode with worldwide comedian eddie caddy we spoke about the importance of the mother tongue it was no doubt one of my funniest interviews to date like when i hear Swahili in a song and it just hits different you know especially the love songs oh uh, listen bumba <laughs> music congolese music if you hear some words you're just like how many babies did i just make in one song <laughs> I still cannot believe that he actually ate his best friend goat. (laughs) He was me and I am him. No, (laughs) no, 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 no. how can you? You You ate your best friend and here you are. are They say you are what you eat. So he's a part of me forever. Support my DNA. I'll tell you what a way to go. He was sweet. I never knew my best friend was so sweet. I would say episode six with Love Island Samira Mighty is a memorable one for me, particularly because I actually got a deeper understanding of her. And I know you can never judge someone just from what you see and stuff, but I think having her break down what it's like being mixed race and dealing with all these social expectations about how she looks, it just opened up my mind a little bit more. I used to get a lot of messages. to learn i feel sorry for you you need to learn about your background you're obviously brainwash all these things i'm thinking damn most of the hate that i have got is from black people it hurts me a lot because it's just like there's no teams for me. I think as well that episode really did blow up. It shared across about an estimated eleven BBC local radio stations. And also I had an interview on BBC Radio Lester about Mind the Gap and my conversation with Samira, which was so unexpected. So of course it's going to be one of those episodes that I just look back and think, yeah. That's one for the books. <laughs> I cannot wrap up my top three without including episode eight with co founder of UK Black Pride, Lady Phil. Honestly, there's so many gems in that episode. At the end of the interview, I'm not even joking. I was like, we have to be friends. Like, <laughs> I need you. We're mates now. <laughs> Jokes aside, I just loved the way Lady Phil spoke about her culture, you know? I was just mesmerized i love being Ghanaian. i think it's the naming ceremony as somebody that's called nanekwa i was born on tuesday it means that you know when i was named i was named with that but i was also given my dad's grandmother as an ancestor who guides me through this world and i kid you not i know that everything i do i'm guided by my
1: ancestors
0: i am genuinely so grateful to have spoken with every single guest that featured on Mind The Gap this season, every listener that emailed me or messaged me or just liked a picture, dropped a comment. I am just so thankful to have had you part of this journey and I cannot wait to share more with you in the future. Thank you for listening and thank you so much to everyone for their support. I've never said goodbye in any of the episodes so I won't start now and it's not goodbye anyway. It's See you soon. Oh, it's really the it's end, really of, the season end of season one. I've had so, much, had fun. so much fun, so much fun, so much fun.